Matthew in chapter 20. We're going to be looking at 1 through 16. 1 through 16. I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray and we're going to, we're going to break this uh, parable down. Let's begin. Matthew chapter 21 through 16. Verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, You two go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. That's all right, boo. You're fine. And again, verse 5, he went out about the the sixth and then the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you too go into the vineyard. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. This is where the last and the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This is where this comes in at. We saw it in the previous uh, couple of, of stories in the book of Matthew, and I'll go over that in just a moment. He says, And pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, and they also received each one a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. Have you ever grumbled before as as a Christian? James, you ever grumbled? I have. (laughs) that honesty comes out Uh, verse 13 but he answered and said to the one of them friend I am doing you no wrong did you not agree with me for a denarius 14 take what is yours and go your way but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Thus the last shall be first and the first last. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight and we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the the parables that you have for us that's contained in Scripture. Lord, that show your sovereignty and show your salvation. That show, Lord God, that you are a just and a fair God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for tonight and for those that were able to attend that are able to attend and we ask Lord that the reading of your word would accomplish what it set out to do. May it bring forth much fruit. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. So, everybody can uh, uh, you know, agree or not agree but relate to this parable, right? Um Everybody can relate to this parable. And I would think that I would probably be in the same position if I had went out all day long and worked out in the, in the field, in the heat. Um, and then at the end of the day, someone else received the same wage of me when they only worked an hour 
I had worked that morning. I had went through the, the drudge of, of 11 o'clock getting to lunchtime. I got to lunchtime and ate and I, I took my nap, you know, or sat down under a tree and rested. And then to loosen the muscles back up at 1 o'clock and to get after it again. And then to work all the way until, until dark. And then somebody comes in right there in the last hour and works and gets the same wage as me. We would say that that wouldn't be fair, wouldn't we? We would say, hey, that, that just don't seem right. It don't seem, that don't seem fair. But listen to the text. There's a couple of things we're going to look at. First, we'll look at the work. And then second, we'll look at the time. We're going to look at the time because that's what the parable is talking about. Listen to the verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven... What's a parable? It's a truth thrown down along another truth to explain it better. Real simple. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So as we open this parable up, the opening words of the parable teach us that the landowner was a very industrious and a very hard working man. Right or wrong. He had a vineyard. And to have a vineyard, you had to have somebody working. And so he was in a position that was probably pretty prominent. And now this is a parable, obviously. But when we think about somebody that is a landowner that has a vineyard, this is someone that has and holds some clout. This is somebody that has something. Very industrious. He was a hardworking man. A man that, that had much work to be done in the vineyard. Jerry has a saying. And that saying is what, Jerry? The orchard does what? Waits for no man. Right? Jerry has pecans. A big pecan orchard. A big pecan vineyard, if you will. He's got a lot of work to do. A lot of times it's redundant work. A lot of times it's, it's, it's very tedious work. But nonetheless, with big responsibility comes big work. And it has to be done. And so you can see that this vineyard has to be taken care of. This man cared about the production of the vineyard. He cared about the vineyard. And he wanted it to bring and bear fruit. And I would even say that he cared about the aesthetics of the vineyard. I don't know if you've ever been at Jerry's house. And I'm going to pick on Jerry for just a minute. But I've been to Jerry's house when his trees are in perfect shape. When it's time for him to pick up pecans, his trees are in excellent shape. There's not limbs on the ground because his machinery doesn't work if there are. Matter of fact, it is so clean that when I go out there and deer hunt, I have to lay on the ground because it is so clean so the deer won't see me because they can spot you in a second. And so Jerry has this responsibility and he has this orchard that he has to tend to or it'll get furry on him in a, in, a, in a flat second if he ain't careful. So this man, he goes out into the morning and he says, listen, I need people to work in my vineyard. He was industrious and he, he goes out and he begins to call people. He begins to call them. The landowner was diligent. The scripture said he went out early 
to hire laborers into the vineyard. He didn't sleep until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He got up and he went out early. He said, there's work to be done. I'm going to hire people to work in my vineyard. There was a certain amount of time that that work had to be accomplished. We see in the scripture where hours are mentioned. Right? Everybody following? There was a certain amount of time that work had to be accomplished. And so he knew that he had to hire people from this point of time to this point of time and no further than that. And so he was going about to do this work. And after that, after the 11th hour, guess what? Do we see a 12th hour in Scripture right here? No. There is no 12th hour in Scripture. There is not one. Alright, so we got to understand that. We know the landowner in our passage of Scripture to be the Lord Jesus. According to God's Word. This is, this is what he's talking about. The landowner is Christ, there's no doubt. Since the coming of Christ, listen to me. Since the coming of Christ until now, Christ Jesus has and still is calling those into the vineyard to work. He is still calling people into the vineyard to work. He is diligent about it. He is still calling people to the vineyard to work. The, vine, the vineyard that's mentioned here is without a doubt the gospel church. There, I mean, this is, this is what we're looking at. This is what we see in the, in the previous stories before this with the rich young ruler, with the disciples' reward, and now here with this, we see that this is about the gospel church. The Jews were called first, were they not? And then who? The Gentiles. We're going to get into that later because I believe that's the, that's the major driving point of this passage of Scripture. Jesus was and is a very, he still is, a very industrious man working hard. We understand that at the cross he said it was finished and he, he rested from the work of redemption. But his work as a mediator still goes on and his work of calling still happens today, does it not? Jesus still works for us, does he not? Yes, yes he does. And so we have to understand that this landowner, he is very industrious and he is still going about his business and still doing. We just got to figure out this time frame issue going on in the text. Listen to what it says. Christ Jesus was and he is still very industrious. He worked hard while he was here to procure his inheritance from the Father. We know that according to Scripture. He called people into his vineyard to serve and to work and to labor for him. And he is still doing that today. He cared about the production. He cared about the output. The, the guy that's over the vineyard cares about the production, cares about the output of what's taking place, what's coming out of the vineyard. And we know that Christ Jesus is no different. He cares about the production. What are we producing? What are we doing? He cares about these things. He wants us to be about his business because he is about his father's business. One thing that I know about Jerry's Pecan Orchard is that it's a 13th month job. 13 months out of the year. How many months are there? 12. It means it never stops. Never stops. 
He always, it, it waits for no man. It never stops. Vineyards and these crops, these things never stop. There's a work that always has to be done, whether it is gathering fruit to cutting limbs, to burning, to planting, to building up, to tearing down, to plucking up, to pl- whatever it may be, it never stops. This work, it is ongoing. The main work that I see in the text is that Christ, the landowner, listen to me, did all, did all of the calling. Listen to what I'm telling you. Christ, the landowner, did all of the calling. We know according to Scripture that our Lord calls us into salvation. Does He not? Yes. Without the effectual calling of the Lord Jesus, we would all still be dead in our sins. Or if you want to call it idle in the marketplace, gathered with the buzzards, you can call it that. But we would all still be dead in our sins. Idle, unproductive, not working, not doing anything for Him. Dead. And so in our text, we see the landowner, his responsibility is calling people. This is what he does. So he goes out early in the morning and he begins to call. And this is what we know Christ Jesus does to us. He calls us into that salvation. He calls us to salvation. We stand in that salvation. And the Lord is the only one that can do that. You don't see anybody else in this passage of Scripture going out and calling people but the landowner. That's important to see. Because it's his job to do that. Those that he called, listen to this. Those that he called all agreed. Those that he called all agreed. With him. For the same wage. All of them. They all agreed with him for the exact same wage. We know the wage that was given was the same. This is what prodded the the early workers to be so upset. The wage that was given was the same. What was that wage if we apply this spiritually? Eternal life, right? It's, and I love, that, I love that it's used only as a penny or as a denarii because it's almost like it takes, takes the emphasis off of a, a giant amount and it places it on this eternal matter. And we know that eternal matter to be salvation. Listen to what it says though, verse 2. Verse 2, it says this. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. Everybody follow. Listen to this text. Verse 2 is very important for us as children of God. Because <laughs> we have to get this. If we don't get this, our church is not going to survive. It will not. We have to get this next point. Listen to what it says. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarii for the day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Verse 2. If we have been called by God's grace, if we have agreed upon the wages with the Master, and if we are expecting eternal life, then he expects our labors in his 
vineyard. Does everybody follow? He expects our labors in his vineyard. I'm going to read that to you one time, one more time. If we've been called by his grace, if we've agreed upon the wages, which is eternal life, we know what that is. And are expecting that eternal life. What happened in verse 2? And when he had agreed with the labors for denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. It doesn't tell us that they sit out there idle in his vineyard. They did exactly what he told them to go do. And as children of God, one thing that we have to understand is that if we expect eternal life, if He has called us by our grace and we expect that eternal life, then He does not expect us to sit on our thumbs. Right or wrong? That's right. That means we're to work in the gospel church. That's what it means. We're to work. The body that we're a part of, which He is the head of. As Christians, we are expected to use the abilities that have been given to us for the gain of the landowner and not ourselves. Remember, this is, according to verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. These are heavenly issues. Kingdom matters. Let's listen to what it says in verse 3. Possibly one of my favorite verses in this text. I love what happens in the text. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Notice some of those he calls. Those that are idle. Now, I wouldn't have done this. I just wouldn't have. But I'm not God either. I'm not God either. He went out and he saw people that were idle and he called them to go work for him. The thing that I love about this passage of Scripture, and, and this, is, this is just so, so gracious on the Lord's part, was this was his business to do. He could run it however he wanted to run it, this landowner. And so if he sees fit to call someone that is idle, that is his business, not mine. And so in the text we see that he goes out and he calls someone that is standing around and that person is idle. He could hire who he wanted. But notice that his call, he could have hired anybody he wanted. But notice when he called them, they were not idle any longer, were they? What happened? They went into the vineyard and they began to work. That shows us what about our salvation. Talked about it earlier. Obviously, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Obviously, we're in a state of idleness. Obviously, we are like Lazarus, no good for nothing, washed up, standing there. 
But when God calls, something happens and something changes. And what happens is that we are then, then we become motivated to work for His kingdom. We go forth and we do it. Listen to what the Bible says. Um, so we're supposed to use this for the, for the kingdom. But listen to what it says here. This, this man was, these people were idle that he hired the second time that he went out. And I love this about our Lord because he is not a respecter of persons. He's not. I want you to think about this. If he were a respecter of persons, he would have called Egypt instead of Israel. Egypt with all her glory and all her pomp and all of her gold and all of her silver and all of the stuff and the wealth and the beauty. He would have called Egypt instead of Israel if he was a respecter of persons. But see what happened. He went out to the street and he saw somebody that was idle and he said, you know what? I'm going to pour out my grace on that individual just like he did me. When I stood in that quote-unquote marketplace with the world, with those buzzards hanging around me, not good for nothing, the Lord saw fit to call and employ me in His work. And so here we have, if, if He were a respecter of persons, which He's not, he would have called Egypt or he would have called Esau instead of Jacob, right? He would have called Eliab and, and Abinadab and Shema instead of the little brother David. But it's not what we see, it's what he sees. And so he called these idle people out to go and to work in the vineyard. He calls who he wills, whether rich, whether poor, whether smart or not so smart, whether strong or weak, whether hard workers or slothful. He calls them all for his own glory. So he goes out into the street and he calls who he wills. Also, if we strain at this little bit of idleness... If we strain at this um, a little bit more, we see, we see this thing of salvation come out where that person was dead. He was just immobile, no, no good about them. They're just dead weight, people hanging out on the street corner not doing anything, up to no good. We see where the Lord does do that work of salvation. And he calls them out of a dead state into that state of activity. A state of production. Verse 4, listen to what it says. And to those he said, this, the ones he saw in the third hour, those he said, you too go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. But I thought they were idle. But at the calling of the landowner, they weren't so much anymore. They went and they left. Listen to what it says. In verse 5. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And then in verse 6 we come, 6 and 7 we come to the eleventh hour. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle 
all day. Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. No one called out to them. No one, you know, got their attention and said, come work with me. Nobody's hired us. So we're still standing here. All right. It wasn't that they didn't want to go work. They were standing idle. Nobody had called on them to go work. And so the landowner, landowner here in the 11th hour, he calls on them to go and to work. Verse 7, they said to him, because no one hired us, he said to them, you go to, go into the vineyard. So that is, that's 6 and 7. And there's, before we go any further and read the rest of this out, because that's basically what we'll do after this, I want to go over three, three things here um, about these few verses. Three things that I think the text shows us here in this text, in this past description, this parable. First and foremost, first and foremost, there is an 11th hour, but not a 12th. There's an 11th hour, but not a 12th. In other words, there is a finality of time. Everybody understand that? We know what that means. Time is going to do what? Time is going to stop, right? One day time will stop. The 11th hour is going to be over. There's no such thing as the 12th hour. And what will happen? We will have eternity, right? Eternity starts. Everybody with me? Time one day will be over. This is what we see in our text. This is very simply seen. In other words, we work while it's daylight. When the night comes, nobody can work. That's why we work while it's day. These guys got the privilege of working right before night fell, right before the end of the work day. They got the, the ability or the, the privilege of just doing just a little bit of work and then they got to stop. And so first and foremost, there is, it's clear in Scripture that there is a time when, there is a day when time will end. And we have to understand this. We have to see how, how serious this parable is. The second thing I see in the text is that the Lord calls us all at different times in life. Right? He called John the Apostle at a young age, did he not? He said, follow me. John was young, the youngest of the disciples. He said, follow me. So John did that. Who else did he call? He called Peter, right? Who was older? Paul, who was probably middle-aged. Nicodemus, who he met at night. Nicodemus was probably an elderly man. He was one of the highest ranking officials with the Jews. He was busy. He called him late in his life. So it goes with us as well. One enters into the vineyard to work early in the morning, like my child Ruthie. Ruthie has a long road ahead of her. She loves Jesus and she'll tell you very quickly 
that she does. And I praise God that she surrendered to the Lord's calling on her life at such a young age. But she's going to need all the help that she can get. She has a wonderful testimony. She entered into the vineyard at a very, very young age. I entered in a little bit later than that in life at 13. We know that there are some people that enter in in their 20s or in their 40s. Other people in their 50s or 60s. Some people, like Larry Wilson, enter in right before they pass away. And so Ruthie's going to have her whole life to work for Jesus. While Larry Wilson just was able to tell a few people about the Lord before he passed. And so we have here in this text, first we see that time is going to stop. Secondly, we see that uh, this text points to, uh, and a lot of people say this and I would agree with it, but I don't think that it's the driving force of the passage, but that people enter into that vineyard at different times in their life, just like Ruthie, just like Larry. I think everybody understands that, right? Everybody. Miss Martha, when did you enter into the vineyard to work? I was born in the church. But <laughs> <laughs> I was about a teenager. There you go. So, so and the third thing that we see, and this is where I think that, um, this is where I think that the text has its most strength in what the Lord is driving at because of the parables before or the stories before about the the poor man and uh, the rich man and how the poor man sat at the gate and begged but he was entered he entered into heaven first and the other man did not uh, then you also have the the disciples reward we see there about the disciples that says truly I say to you that you have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you also shall uh, sit there upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms. For my name shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And so Christ Jesus here in our text this is the third thing that I see, and I think that it is the driving force of what Matthew is saying to the Jewish people, and it is this. The third thought uh, that I see more than anything else uh, than the other two examples is that now is the 11th hour. Now is the 11th hour. And that the Gentiles have been called to go into the field to work. And with that being said, the Gentiles... Because of their faithfulness. Now, you've got to remember, the Jews, they worked, and they kept the law, they kept all the traditions, they did all of these things that the Gentiles never had to do. The Jews didn't like it. And Jesus says, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Listen to what it says here in the text, in verse, uh, in verse 8. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, begin with the last group, to the first, or in other words, the eleventh hour, and then go back to the third hour. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, and they also received each one a denarius. 
And when they had received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. Got a pretty valid point. Pretty thick argument. Verse 13. But he answered and said to them, and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. He says, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. And then in 15 he says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? Thus the last shall be first and the first last. The text shows us the main driving point of this passage of Scripture is that the last, the Gentiles, shall be first and the first, the Jews, shall be last. Jesus is telling them, Jews, that the Gentiles that stand idle in the marketplace will be more profitable, they will be more plentiful in the end, and guess what? We're all getting paid the same. This is what we have to see. The scripture says in Isaiah in chapter 54 and verse 1, it says, For the desolate, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous, talking about the Gentiles, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Jesus is telling them that the Gentiles that are standing idle in the marketplace, they're going to be more profitable than you, and they will enter in first. What else is he saying? What else is he saying? Verse 13. Listen to what he says. The landowner says, I did you no wrong. Here in the text we see that the landowner tells him, I did you no wrong. I was up front. I was honest. Everything was cut and dry. You agreed for this wage and this is what it is. You agreed to it. Here's your money. I did nothing wrong. And so we understand that Christ Jesus is righteous. He is fair. He is just. And He's not doing anything wrong to us. The second thing that you see in verse 15, listen to what it says. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? The landowner says this, I can do exactly what I want with my property. I can do exactly what I want with it because I own it. From this passage, we see that our Lord is completely sovereign. Absolutely the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is in the heavens. And the scripture says in Psalms 115 that He does whatsoever He pleases. (laughs) Our God is in the heavens. And he does whatsoever he pleases. He is good. His actions are just. He is in the heavens. And he can do 
whatever he seems he sees fit to do. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? So the point of the passage, the point of this, this sermon, the point is of this, this parable as Christians, he has called us to labor in his vineyard until he calls us home or until his return. We're not to be worried about our sovereign Lord being unfair or unjust with us. We will enter in when we enter in. Whether us dying and entering in or Him coming back to get us in entering in. We understand that our final resting place is eternal life with Him. And that is not something that we have to worry about. He, it has been agreed upon. We understand it's been agreed upon. We know that He is just. We have entered into His, into his labor and in his, his vineyard to work. And we will do that until he tells us or calls us home. Here's the problem that I foresee with the parable. And here's the problem that I see in today's day and age. That those that have been called into the vineyard have a tendency to sit down. And not do the kingdom work that God has called them to do. Whether they entered in at the third hour or they entered in at the eleventh hour. Whether they're young or whether they are old. Whether they're on their deathbed or whether they were just, just, just young youngsters. The scripture teaches us that there's a race to be run and there's a victory to be won. The scripture teaches us that we are to be about His work. And if we expect eternal life, if we expect the promises and we stand on the promises of God, and we love the promises of God, and we love all of the things that God teaches us and tells us, and we can even amen it. But yet, if we don't enter into His labor and actually do something, what profit is it to the kingdom of God? Zero. Zero. So faith without works is dead. So here in this passage of Scripture, in this parable, we see very, very clearly that those people went into the vineyard and they went in there to work. And as Christians, we got to be about His business. We have to be. It doesn't matter what age. It doesn't matter what condition we're in. Patsy said it best when she said this, the Lord is not done with me yet. Remember when you wanted to die and go home? You said, well, I guess I'm not going to die. He's not done with me yet. i got something to do. We all have something to do. We all have something to do. He's given us abilities. He has given us gifts. He has given us all these talents. And, and all of these things, these special things that we have that maybe people don't even know that we have, that we're hiding under a bushel that could be used for the kingdom of God, and yet we don't use them. I wish I had the ability to sing like Amy. I do. I, I do. I wish I could sing like that. I wish I had the ability to play the piano like Martha. And she's looking down like... No, you don't. Yes, I do. 
Because I would beat them keys and I would sing like Amy or Sharon. I wish I had the ability to know numbers like Jerry. But I don't have any of these things. But God's called me to preach. And and He's called me to pastor and He's called me to serve Him in these capacities with my voice. And so I do them. And I do them to where I don't have any more voice left a lot of times. And if there is a a hidden gift inside of me that I don't know about, I pray it comes out so I can use it. I tried to play the piano one time and I could play one note. And it was Jaws. And that was it. I sat down with my children last night with Anna. I said, listen, baby, if the Lord has given you something to do, if He has given you a gift, you've entered into His vineyard to work, you need to be doing it. She's got a voice. I said, you need to start taking voice lessons. So you can work for the kingdom of God. So you can share what you have for the kingdom of God. And so that you can be productive for His kingdom because He is your king. He has called you to that. He's given you these abilities. And we got to be about doing them. If we don't use the God-given abilities that the Lord has given us, we will not have a local assembly. Do we understand that? That is the truth. And I know that this is a hard lesson tonight, but it is the absolute truth. If we don't use what we have been given by the Almighty today, the man walking down the road, I was telling Casey about my sermon and I said, I just don't know who to minister to. I want to share the gospel with somebody. And I looked out my window and the man was walking down the road in front of my house I could tell he was an addict. I could tell that he was hurt. And I could tell that he didn't want to stick around. But I could tell that he knew the parsonage. And he knew Perry. Because he stayed out in front of the parsonage and hitchhiked. Which told me that he was comfortable there and safe there. So I went outside. I said, Casey, just watch me. I'm going to talk to this man. He's acting pretty erratic. I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to share the gospel with him. I go outside and he tells me his name. Y'all would all know him. I said, are you an addict? He said, yes, I am. And I looked at him square in the eyes and I said, I said, what do you use? And he said, I use ice and mojo. And I said, do you realize that those two will kill you? He said, yes, I do. I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he didn't say nothing. Then his back started hurting. His knee started cramping. He was hitchhiking. Kept putting his thumb out. I said, do you know the Lord? I said, because here's what's fixing to happen. You're missing all of your teeth. And I told him this. I said, you're missing all of your teeth. You're using ice and using mojo every day. He said, I'm not high right now. And I said, that's a good thing. I said, I've come out here to tell you about the one that can deliver you from this. His name is Jesus Christ. He can deliver you. The Lord put somebody in my path and as soon as I shared the name of Jesus Christ with him, Casey was watching from the window and she was laughing. 
Because this man went from limping and bent over in pain and in tears to when I said the name of Jesus, when I began to speak about free grace and a free pardon of sin and to be relieved from that bondage that he was in, he sprinted across the road and he couldn't get out of there fast enough because he didn't want to have nothing to do with it. And that's a fact. However, Casey told me when I came back in, she said, at least you were responsible to tell him about the Lord. She said, you did what God called you to do. I said, you know what? You're right, I did. And she said, but I have never seen anybody sprint so hard to get away from the gospel in all of my life. She said, never. And I said, I haven't either. Here's the deal. There's a vineyard that has been planted. It's the church. The Lord has made it. He owns it. He calls us into it. And He calls us to use our abilities in it. And the, the place where that, those abilities are used is in the local assembly. That's where they're used. That's where they're at. And so, if you have a gift or a talent or something that you're not doing, Casey and I talk about this all the time. I'm like, what else can I do? What can I do? What can I do? If there's something, and there's a lot of things I'm not good at that I need to do better. And she's the same way, and she'll tell you that. But if he has given you an ability that you've got under a bushel, please, we need it. We need it. Our assembly needs it. We need to be working for the kingdom of God. We need to be working in His vineyard. We need to be about His business until the 11th hour. And when He comes, we don't need to be found sleeping. We need to be found working. I'm not talking about a physical sleep. I'm talking about a a spiritual slothfulness. We need to be found doing our due diligence serving Him. And so I know that tonight is, is a little hard I know that it is, but I, I would not give it to you if I didn't think you could handle it because I had, I had to go through it myself. Casey and I sat this afternoon and we talked about this entire lesson. And we looked at it and we broke it down and we talked about it and talked about it. And I have to experience these things first before I can then dish them out and, and, and preach on these things. There are things that I have to do better, without a doubt, without a question. But we've been given abilities, and we have got to capitalize on those abilities, what God has given us to do. You've got to remember that we're called Gentiles. That's been grafted in. The last and the eleventh hour shall be first. We've got to make sure that we're working for Him. It's going to take work. Just like Jerry's orchard takes work to keep it up. If he didn't, it'd look terrible. And the Lord knows how many trees he has and how much work it takes. Well, it's no different with us in the local assembly. We have to get plugged in. We have to start. 
We've got Sunday school when David can make it, he teaches. Miss Martha teaches, Amy teaches. You know, these are things and these are areas where this is really good material too that, that, that the teachers go over. We've got studies that we're fixing to start now that Almost Home's not coming. We've got some studies we're fixing to start and some things that we're fixing to start doing again. But guys, we've got to make an effort to get plugged back in and start working back again in the vineyard. Let's pray.